Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing the pros and cons of retail chain investing. This topic is particularly interesting for me right now as I've been studying multiple retail chains as potential investments this past month. This past month. So a brief aside, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast and help me to continue creating great investing content, please consider becoming a patron at DIYinvesting.org patron. That's DIYinvesting.org P-A-T-R-O-N. My goal is to keep this podcast free of outside advertisements. In order to do that, I've decided upon a model that skips the middleman and allows me to receive support directly from you, the listener. My goal is to always provide value to you. Therefore, I have set up a membership program providing investment-based rewards to those who choose to become patrons of this show. I hope you'll check it out at DIYinvesting.org patron. So let's dive right on in. So if you listen to my last episode, episode 13, I talked about a chain restaurant called Chewy's Holdings Incorporated. And it kind of led me into thinking about what are the different pros and cons of investing in a retail chain, not just a restaurant, but any sort of retail chain, whether it be games, like I talked about GameStop as a retail chain, um, restaurants, storefronts, so this could be like handbags or anything where the core business is retail and they derive a super majority of their income from sales at physical locations. And that's what I want to talk to you today because there's very there's very much many pros and many reasons that you would want to be investing in retail chains. And there's also many reasons that you should be hesitant about investing in retail chains. There's some risks that retail in particular have that isn't true of a lot of other types of companies. Let's say it's a manufacturing company, a software company, a technology company. Um, or something that bases most of their business through the internet or working business to business. Um, and I want to dive into that because, you know, I own some investments in retail chains, but I also recognize that they have some particular risks that most people maybe don't think about. And I think it's very valuable for you to understand what those are as an investor. Um, because, Retail is both a very relatable thing to invest in. You know, you can go directly to the store, you can try the products, you can understand the business. And so people can understand it very quickly. But there's also some complexities that you really need to um, dive into depth about as you think about investing in a retail chain. 
So I especially want to do this um, podcast because but some people might have been interested in Chewies that I talked about in the last episode. And so I think you need to be prepared about understanding, you know, what some of the risks are um, for an investor that buys a retail chain. But before we get to risks, first I want to do my marketing for you. So if I'm trying to sell you on, you know, what it would what would be interesting about um, investing into a retail chain. Let's talk about the pros. You know, we, we I want to end on the cons and the risks because I think in a lot of ways the focusing on understanding risks is more important. And I hope that you'll retain those more perhaps at the end. But really to get you hyped up first, let's talk first about the pros of investing into a retail company. And so again, this will apply whether we're talking about a restaurant, um, a generic storefront, some place that sells clothes like J. Crew, a mall restaurant like Macy's, um, games like GameStop, or you know a place like Home Depot that sells a bunch of other things. So I want you to think very broadly. You know any retail company that has a storefront and grows by adding new stores. That's what we're talking about today. So let's dive in. Pros. One of the reasons to consider investing in a retail company, and probably the most interesting reason, is the idea of what retail chains really are. So as a chain, a company has a repeatable business model that can be easily copied across the nation for business growth. So this is your first reason. A lot of times, the hard part about a business at the very beginning when you're a startup and you're starting a new business is proving that the business model works, proving that there's a target market and there's customers that are willing to pay you money for the products or services that you provide. And so when a company decides to grow as a chain and to build new stores that just copy what they're doing into a new location they have an inherent advantage over any other type of company. So the reason that you see restaurant chains all across the nation is not because restaurant chains necessarily have better food than the local mom and pop store or the local mom and pop restaurant. It's because the owners have already proven that that particular chain, that particular food has a target audience. It has a target market and they the owners and the managers can target that specific market and know that with certain prices, certain marketing, and um, certain product and service details, they will be able to sell their product and make a profit. So this is really the key advantage for retail chains. And if you're investing in a retail chain, it's something that you can't take too lightly because... um, what it means is that you'll be able to grow your business fairly reliably. And that is amazing for your investment because it means that the only thing that's holding you back from higher profits and from your shares being worth more is the ability for the company 
to fund new locations and to grow to new locations. And so if you grow from one location to two, it's quite likely that you will double the profit in the business. Or if you grow from 10 locations to 20, you're going to double the profit again. And what this means is that you can easily grow a business where after a few one, two, or three locations, you have proven the business model. And there might be nothing stopping you from time and money, except for time and money, to grow from five locations to 500. And you have seen this sort of thing, and the best example is McDonald's, because McDonald's has grown from one small um, location into over 10,000 locations worldwide. And all they do is they keep building new locations because they've already proven their target market. They've proven their product is wanted and they've proven the prices and the marketing that are needed to sell that product. And all they have to do is build a new location in a new lo- where their target market is. So investors in McDonald's have grown incredibly rich off of harnessing the power of a repeatable business model that you can just easily copy into a new location. So this is the first key benefit for retail chain investing. And I think it's incredibly important. That's why I put it at number one. And I think the second key and the second most important benefit um, that goes under the pro section for retail chain investing is that if the business can cash fund new locations, then you can have an incredibly high return on incremental invested capital for a very long time. So there's two key concepts here. The first is return on incremental invested capital, R-O-I-I-C, is probably one of the most important terms to understand as an investor interested in growth. Because what when a company earns money, they can either invest it in the business for growth or they can return that money to shareholders. Now, obviously, you want money returned to shareholders, but you also would like a company to be able to grow and invest that money on their own if they can get a better deal than you. So let's think about it this way. If as an investor, you're able to earn 10% investing your money in stocks. So you have a set of stocks that you think can earn 10%. Now, if the company returns that cash to you, it's effectively a return of 10% because it means that that company is earning 10% by giving you a dividend and allowing you to find the investment worth 10%. Now, instead, imagine a company that has a return on an incremental invested capital of 20%. That means any dollars they retain and they don't pay out will earn 20% a year. Well, that makes it twice as good for that business to retain the money versus pay out the money in dividends. This is absolutely critical because one of the things that an investor will want to look for is to buy these types of companies. If you can buy a companies that have investable targets that will earn 20% per year versus only 10% a year, well, you're going to double the rate at which you grow your net worth. Now, it is very rare to find companies that have both the option to grow at a high rate of return and the ability to grow at a high rate of return. And for the ones that do, they can probably only do it with a small amount of their money. So maybe they retain 20% of their earnings and they get 20% of returns on that and they have to pay out the other 80% because they don't have enough opportunities. But 
Retail chains are one of those categories where it's quite possible that a retail chain could be able to invest nearly all of their money back into building new locations because they've already proven their business model, which is our reason number one, and all they have to do is copy it into new locations that match the original. This can be incredibly valuable because it means not only are you going to receive a high return on your capital, again, the business's capital is your your capital as a shareholder, there isn't different a difference between the money invested in the business and the money that you are investing into new other companies. They need to be they compete with each other for capital. So, do you want to invest more with this retail chain, or do you want to invest it more in, say, a pharmaceutical company? Those companies are competing for your capital, which means that you need to find companies with a high return on incremental invested capital. The second part of this pro, though, is that this is only as valuable if the company can fund those new locations with cash. So retail chains need to be profitable and they need to be profitable in cash and producing free cash flow. And so as I'll get to in one of the cons, a big risk for retail is to load up on debt. And so what you don't want is to grow new locations by using a lot of debt. You want to be able to do it with cash. So if a business is able to produce enough cash to build more locations on its own, that's a very positive outcome for you as a shareholder. So basically, the growth is self-funded. They're not asking for new shares. They don't need to issue new shares to grow the business, and they don't need to issue debt to grow the business, which means that you have a relatively safe way to have a growth investment. And this is um, probably one of the key targets that you want to find in your investments, which makes retail chains particularly interesting ways to build a lot of wealth relatively quickly because you can earn high returns for a very long period of time if you find a retail chain early on in its growth cycle. Okay, so that's that's reason number two, trying to cash fund new locations that give you a long growth period with high return on incremental invested capital. Okay, so the third reason that retail chain investing is interesting is that chain stores build your local and your national brand equity as your store density grows. And and the key here is that storefronts are basically um, giant marketing locations on their own. So if we go back to McDonald's, um, you know, when there's only one McDonald's, that local area, you know, that one town or maybe three mile radius around that McDonald's, it built up brand equity. So that like, hey, McDonald's is known for burgers that I like and I can get them quickly. And so they have a brand that goes around that. As you build more McDonald's around the nation, then more people around the nation are going to understand what McDonald's stands for. And that means, you know, someone from Alabama could drive into Kentucky and see another McDonald's and know, hey, there's a McDonald's in Alabama, but there's also McDonald's in Kentucky. I can trust that McDonald's is going to have burgers for me. And that means that you're more likely to have a growing customer base because people are able to recognize your product and your brand in new locations. But it also helps locally. So as you build you know, one McDonald's in Los Angeles, and that grows to 10 McDonald's in Los Angeles, more and more, the greater the density of McDonald's in the same city is going to build that branding. It's going to mean that you're more likely to get return customers because they can say, oh, I don't only have a McDonald's near me 
at for lunch at work, I also have one near me at home so I could consider getting dinner at McDonald's. And again, McDonald's is just an example here. It's going to apply to restaurant, other restaurants, um, nicer restaurants. It's going to apply to food. Or I mean, it's, sorry, that is food. It's going to apply to clothing stores, whether it's Abercrombie and Fitch, J. Crew, um, and all these different stores. Or like, like, you know, Home Depot is one of the other examples I used. As these things grow, it means that if you're visiting people or if you're in a new location, you're able to retain repeat customers that aren't from the same area because they've already recognized what your brand means and what you can provide to them as product. And if they're already in your target market, you're now to increase the rate of sales that you can make. So essentially, the more chain stores that you build, the more valuable each individual store becomes, which is a great positive effect for your business. Versus if you have you know, local mom and pop Asian food nearby or local mom and pop um, hardware store, they're not going to be able to compete with the local Home Depot at the same level because only the people that are nearby and that have recommended you know say, hey, this hardware shop, shop is better than Home Depot and it has cheaper prices. Instead, it's going to be like, well, I know Home Depot is good. You know, anyone moving into the area might just default to using Home Depot because they've already built a national brand. So this becomes a competitive advantage for chain stores. And it's a reason that even though um, I think there's this growing movement that, oh, I don't want to eat at chains or I don't want to shop at chain stores. I want, you know, local things that local stores have to fight against because the power of that brand is so strong once you reach a certain density of store, both in a local and in a national area. So that's the third reason. Let's dive into the fourth reason. The fourth thing is not only do your does your brand gain power over time, but you're going to grow margins over time due to economies of scale. So basically, the larger your chain grows, the more negotiating power um, the company is going to have with suppliers and the better their distribution network is. So this is why chains generally grow you know, outward from a specific area. So you had Walmart, I believe starts in Arkansas and they slowly grew in Arkansas until they go to one nearby city, you know, and they, they skip off into another local state and they kind of grow from there and you kind of grow off in hubs. And it's because the closer the stores are together and the more of them there are in a specific area, um, the better distribution network those stores have. And this gives you economy scale, your margins grow, you get more profit per dollar of revenue than you otherwise would have as your chain grows. And as you grow even larger, you start to get this negotiating power where you say, hey, I'm not only buying um, paper for five stores, I'm buying paper for 500 stores. So instead of you know, giving a 5% loyalty discount, I want a 20% loyalty discount because, you know, if I go um, from Staples to Office um, Mart and buy stuff from a different company, it's going to hurt you. And, uh, you know, I'm really a valuable business for you to be. So I have more negotiating power. So again, there's a lot of little details and this is going to work slowly over time. But basically, the, the larger you are, the cheaper it is to operate a larger business than a small business. The final benefit I want to talk to you about retail chain investing is that you have the option of franchising the business. So basically, again, that, that number one valuable point that 
a retail chain has is that the business model is always already proven. So it means that on, and this is incredibly valuable for an entrepreneur. If someone wants to own their own business and they want to get into the business of owning a store, the easiest way to do that is not to come up with your own idea that's brand new and um, something that's never been tried before. You know, you're going to create, you know, some brand new burger shop. Instead, you're much more likely to be a success and you're much more likely to end up a millionaire if you just open a, a local McDonald's. And so this is a proven fact where McDonald's can benefit by franchising the business, which basically means offering other entrepreneurs the ability to open a store under their brand name, benefit from all of their marketing expertise, their product creation expertise. They're given the recipes, they're given the products, they're given all the sales contacts. And all of the entrepreneur has to do is just follow the manual. You know, McDonald's gives you a manual, there's training programs because the business, McDonald's Corporation, benefits from helping independent entrepreneurs make their own business profitable and run their McDonald's profitably. And this ability to franchise is not only valuable for the entrepreneur, it's also valuable for the overall corporation because franchises create synthetic equity benefits for shareholders. So what does that mean? Synthetic equity means, you know, equity is, you know, shares that you own. It means you you have a share of the profits. Well, when you franchise a store, you're gaining a share of the profits of that store. You're gaining a share of the revenue of that store, which means that, but you don't have to put up the capital to create it. So the entrepreneur says, hey, I'm going to invest my own capital and I'm going to create a new McDonald's. Well, as they do that, McDonald's doesn't have to, you know, put up the half a million dollars to build the new store. Instead, they just say they a lot of times they get paid for that person to create their store. So they spend, you know, maybe McDonald's takes fifty thousand dollars of that half a million dollars as a check, and then they receive payments as the McDonald's makes profit. So instead of investing your own capital, you're able to invest other people's capital and all and you just get, you know, regular payments from it. This is incredibly valuable for a shareholder to receive equity without putting up capital because it means your return on capital and your return on equity is much higher. And essentially, the higher your return on equity and the higher return on capital, um, the more money you're going to make in the long term as an investor. Okay, so those are the five really important um, benefits that you can gain as a retail chain investor. And I think it makes it very appealing to be a retail chain investor. And so let's just cover them briefly again to go over them. So it's the repeatable business model that you can just copy and it's proven. Um, You can self-fund new locations across the nation and that gives you a high growth rate um, or a high return on invested capital because you've already proven you can retain that growth as you grow. Um, As you grow, you're going to build more local and national brand density. Um, equity as the store density grows and you're also going to grow your margins over time due to higher economies of scale and then finally you have the option to franchise part of the business and receive receive synthetic equity for your shareholders so those are five really great things but what are the cons because there's definitely reasons not to invest in retail chains and i think often people focus on you know the high growth rates and um the potential for very large amounts of wealth, but they don't see all the risks. And retail investing in, in specifically has a lot of risks. And retail chain investing sometimes has even more risks 
um, than a generic retail store. And uh, let's dive into that because I have four key items that I want to focus on. Um, and these are risks that everyone should deeply consider and understand before investing in a retail chain. So the first one, and, and I think this is the most important risk, um, and, and I really don't want to understate it. The most important risk for retail chain investing is what's called operational leverage. And so operational leverage is what causes retailers to have an inherently lower margin of safety than other businesses. So what the problem that retail has is they're very high fixed cost investments. So operating a st- opening a store requires input a lot of, of a lot of capital and upfront and it means that whenever you're selling product you have to sell a lot of product before you ever make a profit. It doesn't matter that you're selling the product for more than the cost of the product itself. What matters is that you're that extra benefit. You have to sell, let's say, you know, let's say if you're McDonald's and your operating costs are $500,000 a year and you make um, 50 cents off of every hamburger that you sell. Well, what that means is that if you sell a million hamburgers, you're going to make $500,000, but that's just covering your fixed costs. So it means in a year, you're going to have to sell a million hamburgers before you ever make a profit. And if you if you sell a million and one hamburgers, you're going to make only a 50 cent profit for the entire year. So you have to sell a lot of hamburgers to really make a profit. So let's say you may sell 200, 2 million hamburgers in the year at, at a 50 cent profit, at a 50 cent margin on each of them would mean that you would make a half a million dollars in profit that year. But if you sold $4 million in profit, so again, you're doubling the amount of hammers that you sold, your profit instead of doubling would triple because then you would have one and a half million dollars a year in profit because you'd have $2 million in margin law minus the $500,000 in fixed cost would end with one and a half million dollars in profit. One and a half million is three times half a million. What this means, though, is though although you can get that bonus growth on the top end as you grow above those fixed costs, it also means that as your sales decline, you know, let's say your sales decline from 4 million um, burgers per year to 2 million burgers per year. Well, now, you know, your decline of 50% means that you act in revenue actually was a decline in um, 66% in terms of your profit. And so that's really what I'm talking about in terms of operational leverage. You're given the benefit of as you grow above fixed costs, you get more and more profit that just sinks to the bottom line. But as you get closer and closer to the fixed costs, you can quickly go into the red um, a lot faster than other businesses. So it's quite possible that um, a retail business, let's say GameStop, if their revenue declined by 10%, Instead of their profit declining by 10%, their profit might decline by 100%. A 10% decline in revenue could cause them to lose all of the profit in the business and start losing money. Versus uh, some other businesses, a 10% decline in revenue would just mean a 10% decline in profit. And that's really the big risk with retail investing because you could look and say, oh, look, you know, that I have the dividend payout ratio is 50%. So, you know, profits could have to decline 50%. Um, before I my dividend could be threatened. Well, that might be true, but maybe it only takes a 5% decline in sales to cause you to lose 50% in profit. Um, 
you'll have to dive deeper into any individual investment you're looking at, but this operational leverage is a huge risk for retail because it means that in recessions, it's very quick and easy for a retail chain to go quickly into losses. And if they are in a bad situation, um, you could end up bankrupting a very good business because they operate too close to that fixed cost ratio. Which really brings me to my second risk that retail chain investment is, and it's talking about debt. So a lot of businesses are able to have debt on the balance sheet and they can use debt to provide some of the capital for growth in the business. Um, But retail is not a business where you want to do that. So retail investments, specifically retail chains, should not have debt on the balance sheet because what debt is, is it's essentially a promise to pay money in the future um, to allow you to grow now. Um, And this can be a good trade-off if you can get a good deal on it in, say, a manufacturing business. Um, But what retail has a big risk of is they usually have lease agreements. So most retail companies, not all, you know, McDonald's owns a lot of their retail stores, locations. But most retail companies lease the store that they are operating out of, which means they have essentially a... It's not hidden because they do report it, but it's it's almost a hidden style of debt because it's a large future liability where you have promised that you know for the next five years or for the next 10 years to make steady payments to the owner of the real estate of that store. And that means that you have this large fixed cost that you have to pay each and every year for the foreseeable future. Well, that can work great in good times when you're making lots of money. But if you're losing money and it's a recession and people are losing their jobs and maybe you have to close stores, well, if you have to close a store, but you still have a lease on it, you still got to make those payments. So now you're losing a lot of money um, the longer that you have to operate in this situation. And these lease agreements essentially function the very same as debt for other companies. They allow... um, They allow retail stores to grow faster than they otherwise could because they're not having to make the large capital investment of buying the real estate, but it essentially replaces debt. So what you can't, what you really have to avoid is buying into retail companies that have debt on their balance sheet or have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. But I think a good rule of thumb to start with is to not buy, is to at least, you know, you know, keep an open mind, but if you can find only retail investments that have no debt on their balance sheet, you're going to be in a much better situation because without that debt, the risk is a lot lower. And so, you know, debt is only one form of liability, but lease agreements is another liability. And you really need to be aware of that when you're making your investments. So that's, that's my first suggestion is just, you know, check to see if an investment you're considering and if it's in retail has debt, you know, might be worth passing on it for now and trying to find some retail chains that don't have debt. And they do exist. Um, for instance, Chewy's at this time doesn't have debt. Um, now, again, I already said the price is too high for me to consider at the moment, but it is something that when you think about a, comp- a retail ca- company that's growing, try and find the ones that don't have debt. So the third risk, um, and it's one I didn't think about until the last year or two, is that as your chain grows, your branding is really a double-edged sword. So on the positive end, if you're getting good performance at one store, it can lead to positive impacts at other stores throughout the whole chain. 
but it also means that mistakes at a single store can cause negative impacts on the entire chain. So it doesn't matter if you have one, if you have a hundred stores or a thousand stores, except that if you make a mistake at one store, it's affected, it's going to provide negative impacts to even more stores. So this is what I really like to call fragility risk. It makes the, the business somewhat fragile because a single impact or multiple impacts in a short period of time at a couple stores can cause loss of sales throughout thousands of stores. And the best example of this that a lot of people have probably heard of is Chipotle. So Chipotle is a retail restaurant um, that had foodborne illness problems a few years ago in a couple stores. So it's like two or three stores, maybe more, um, reported that some people got sick from the food at the restaurant. And I don't know all the details, so you know, just take it as that's my current understanding. I don't know all the details behind what actually happened. Um, I encourage you to do your own research if that's something that's interested to you. But the basic thing was is that there was a huge loss in customer trust for the Chipotle brand because at a few stores, people reported being sick. And what that meant is that instead of sales only dropping at those couple stores, sales dropped across the entire chain because this became a national story. And all of a sudden, people are saying, hey, Chipotle has food where people have gotten sick. It doesn't matter that their local Chipotle had no problems at all and no one's ever gotten sick there. But the fact that this is a national retail chain meant that you could have negative impacts off a very, over a very large scale even though the cause was only a couple stores. And that makes the business really fragile. And so, again, while you get benefits for growth, you know, like I said, the economies of scale and, um, you know, distribution networks can be stronger. It also means that loss of faith from your customers can quickly expand well beyond what would otherwise happen if you weren't a retail, if you weren't a chain. So the fourth risk that I want to talk about has more to do with the stock than the business. Uh, But basically, retail chains have a growth phase and a stable phase. Um, A lot of times in a growing retail chain, management will talk about the number of stores that they think are kind of max potential in the nation. So a company that plans to grow nationwide will likely do a study and say, you know, we think there can be 500 stores around the nation. And I think that'll be a very, you know, that's the density that we could reach in the long term. So maybe the company only has 100 stores, but you know they say, you know, sometime in the future if we reach a 500, we'll be done growing. Well, maybe that takes 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, but it means that the chain is going to have a growth phase and it's going to have a stable phase. So if you're buying the company at say 400 stores and they think there's only 500 potential target locations, then or cities where they want to be or whatever it may be, you're closer to the end of the growth phase than you were if you had 100 stores. And it means that if you're buying into the growth phase, there's likely to you're likely to experience a P.E. ratio compression, um, which means the decline in the P.E. ratio as that retail chain finishes their expanding to capacity. So once the retail chain reaches 500 stores or once they reach, let's say, 450 stores, and instead of opening 20 stores a year, they decline to five stores a year, the growth of the company and the growth of the profits and everything like that is going to start declining. And as that declines, it's quite likely that other investors are going to 
are going to provide a lower price to earnings ratio for that company because they can't price in as much growth. So the way that you make up that return is to gain that return back from buying in at a lower price. And this can be a headwind for your investment because your investment performance will then lag behind the true performance of the business. So, you know, if the business is growing at 8%, the stock price might only grow at 4% because you're going to have 8% growth minus 4% decline in PE ratio. And this could happen for many years and you never really know when it's going to strike. But the key is if you're trying to get the benefits that I talked about before, where you have this long-term growing business that can grow the return on capital for long periods of time, you have to understand that the PE ratio you buy in at is very important because if you buy at too high of a PE ratio, it doesn't matter if the business grows a lot, if it's offset by a declining stock price due to the decline in PE ratio. So, you know, again, you shouldn't make your decision based upon what other investors are going to do, but you should understand where the risks occur. You should understand that you're buying at a good price and you're buying at a price that is stable in both a stable and a growing phase and not just relying upon growth to make up for all of your returns. So those are the four cons I wanted to cover. And we'll just reiterate that, um, you know, the key points that I wanted to address here, you know, Retail chain investing can be very positive because you can have a repeatable business model that can be copied across the nation for business growth. Um, If you're able to fund that with cash and not debt, then you can self-fund your growth for a long period of time. And this can allow you to grow at a higher rate of return than other investments might have. Chain stores can build both local and national brand equity as store density grows. And they'll also gain margin growth over time as their economy and scales improve. Finally, good chain investments have the opportunity to franchise the business and create synthetic equity benefits for shareholders. The risks that I highlighted included operational leverage, which meant that retailers have an inherently lower margin of safety than other types of businesses. Debt should be avoided in retail companies. And as chains grow, branding can be a double-edged sword because mistakes at one store can cause negative effects on the entire chain. And finally, you need to be wary of declining P.E. ratios as retailers transition from a growth phase into a stable phase. So thank you for listening to this podcast. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at DIYinvesting.org slash episode 14. Finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at DIYinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free content without any advertisements. If you choose to become a patron of the show, you'll receive exclusive insights into my personal investing process through the DIYinvesting.org membership program. Once again, you can find out more information at DIYinvesting.org slash patron or listen to episode 11 of this podcast where I go into detail about the benefits of being a DIY investing member. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees and start building wealth.
Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.